Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 303. We're glad you've joined us on the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. You first-time listeners, we're glad you found us and we hope you become regular listeners. My name is Stephen Fennec and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. Now, right from the top, I must apologize for my voice. I've had a touch of laryngitis. I am getting uh, over it. I've had a bit of a throat condition. So I hope you can put up with me uh, in this croaky voice of mine for the show. We're going to talk about all the major announcements from Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference. I've just got back back from there from San Jose. We're also uh, going to talk about our tour of the Tesla factory in Fremont, just up the road from San Jose. And we're also going to chat about a new service called Car Chase that can sell your car for you. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to check out the new Sony Extra Bass Bluetooth speakers. BlackBerry has launched its Key 2 smartphone and Asus at Computex unveiled a laptop with a trackpad that doubles as a second screen. And we'll also wrap it up with all your questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and also Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. A huge show planned for you, so we're not going to waste any time. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I've just returned from San Jose, which was the site of Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference. And this is the annual event where more than 6,000 developers were in attendance. It was held at the McInerney Convention Center in downtown San Jose. And at the keynote, Apple outlined all of the major upgrades for their software. They made it quite clear there was going to be no hardware announced at the event, much to uh, many of us, uh, most of people's disappointment, including my own. We thought we may see a new product or two, but not to be. But there's still enough, plenty enough to uh, that was announced that we can talk about here. We're talking about iOS 12 for the iPhone and iPad, Mac OS Mojave, Watch OS 5 and, of course, TV OS. We'll kick it off with iOS 12. This was, uh, without a doubt, the star of the show and probably the the software, the operating system that, that's going to touch most people. More more Apple customers are customers because they've got iPhones more rather than computers. So iOS 12 is going to be very important. And right off the bat, uh, Apple was took an interesting approach to this one. This was, they did specify that it was mainly a very uh, performance-focused update. So nothing new in terms of design, maybe some subtleties in the in the app stores and the, the news apps and stuff like that, but nothing too different. We've been running the beta on our phone for a few days now. It's been quite stable, actually, but uh, nothing new in by way of design on, on board here. But 
Apple did specify, though, that the performance enhancements were important, were upfront, and that that was going to be uh, able to be run on phones as far back as the iPhone 5S with performance uh, demonstrated to be rather quick on those older devices. Uh, they also had. They also mentioned the uh, a new feature which will allow users to monitor their screen time. So this is an interesting feature for not only for general users but also for parents uh, who who maybe want to keep an eye on how much time their children spend on their iPhone. So this will give you a snapshot of the the, the number of times you pick up your phone, the the amount of time you spend in individual apps. So this is meant to give us a baseline on how we use our device. This will give us a weekly activity report. So I think it's the, there may be some people who may be surprised at how often they look at their phone. And I think just, just to give us a general awareness of where we're at, whether people may think, well, no, I'm going to set a limit on the amount of time I spend on certain apps so you can set time limits. So that was an interesting start to their approach to this, in effect, giving you a feature that may make you use the device less. So uh, Apple, pretty transparent right there. But let's look at some other features, though, for iOS 12. And let's start off with Siri. Siri has been given a number of new powers here. It it allows what uh, one new feature is the it being able to access some shortcuts and activate a string of tasks. So you might have... Uh, a string of things you needed to do, like maybe on your commute home, you want to send a message, you want to get your favorite podcast lined up, set your home thermostat to a certain temperature, and these can all be set up in the shortcuts are then triggered with a key phrase so Siri can just act on them all at once. So rather than you having to dive into all these different apps, it will do it for you. So interesting that that's going to be happening. Augmented reality is also going to be improved with a multi-user experience, so that it's going to have multi-user support. So imagine you playing an augmented reality game. The example they gave was like a, 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 a knock-em-down sort of game where you're, you're firing a slingshot at these blocks. And so you can imagine up to four people circling a table that's basically just empty. It's just a, giving them a surface to to place these virtual objects in the screen. And you being able to experience the same thing with all those other people. Really interesting how that technology is going to work. Thanks to a new file format, the USDZ file format uh, is going to be part of that capability. Uh, moving along, photos are going to have a, a even better way to for users to manage their photographs and to search the images. You'll be able to use multiple search terms. So the built-in artificial intelligence will recognize you know, things like vehicles and people and animals and locations in your photo. So you, it's, it'll be easy to locate your images because some of us have got tens of thousands of pictures on our phones, uh, myself included. So this will be a really helpful feature. Uh, there's also a new way to organize your notifications on, on, the, on iOS 12. And rather than you having an individual notification for every single message or every single Instagram post, every single thing, they are now grouped by app. So if you've got several messages, they're in a little stack. If you've got several uh, notifications from Instagram, they're in another stack. Uh, there's also a new Do Not Disturb During Bedtime feature, so you can mute all your notifications. So at night, when you pick up your phone, if you want to just check the time or whatever, you're not seeing this all these all these huge list of notifications that'll make you uh, that'll will make you even more awake than you should be. Uh, moving along to 
Memojis. Now, we heard of Animojis with, uh, with the iPhone 10. Well, now there are now Memojis, which is basically an animated version of yourself that you can include uh, in messages. You can record little videos, add effects in FaceTime. Uh, really easy to personalize them too. You, so you get a choice of you know, your face shape, your skin color, your hairstyle, whether you've got freckles, the shape of your ears, the shape of your eyes, the, the broadness of your nose. So it's quite a fair few features that you can, you can uh, adjust to, to give you a better likeness. Uh, and these are all meant to be gender neutral as well. So it doesn't ask whether you're a male or a female. It just allows you to go nuts and find the most similar, the, the, the most similar memoji you can find to, to make it look more like yourself. There's also four new animojis, a ghost, a koala bear, a tiger, and a T-Rex, which is interesting. FaceTime, a really cool upgrade here. Up to 32 people can take part in the chat. Whenever someone talks, their tile becomes more prominent, moves to the top of the screen. You also can do that from the new Mac OS, which we'll talk about in a second. Other new updated apps will be the Stocks app. Is that a bit of a refresh? Apple News. Voice Memos has also been rebuilt and will also be included on the iPad for the first time. I was surprised it wasn't on the iPad to begin with. But anyway, uh, Apple Books uh, is the new name for iBooks. And CarPlay will also support third-party map apps, including Waze and Google Maps. So uh, really cool new features there. Expect these to be available when the update comes through in springtime. Moving on to Mac OS Mojave. This is the name for the new Mac operating system. And as they've uh, traditionally done in the past, they've named their OS after a famous Californian landmark. Like in the past, we've had Yosemite and El Capitan and Mavericks and Sierra, High Sierra. Well, now we've got Mojave. And Mojave, right off the bat, is different. The desktop image actually changes according to the time of day. So it'll reflect morning, noon, and night. They will also give you dark mode. So you can now, rather than having these bright white backgrounds and uh, and these grey borders on your windows, you can now go grey and black, so to give you this uh, new dynamic look to your desktop. So uh, dark mode, a big hit that was a, had a huge cheer uh, when it was announced. Another thing too is to help you get organised, and this is called desktop stacks. Now, how often have you saved images or files to the desktop, and it just looks an absolute mess? You probably can't see your desktop because it's all the tiles on your on your desktop. Well, now desktop stacks arranges them by file, by type, by date, by tag, so they just pop into the relevant stack. There's also new ways to go through your content. So there's a we've heard of the the icon view, list view, column view. Now there's a quick look, uh, a gallery view that gives you a quick look at your files, including all the metadata. Uh, privacy and security has been enhanced thanks to uh, the, the Safari browser preventing cookies tracking your searches. Also prevents fingerprinting, which is how some sites track you by device rather than by what you search for. Uh, other apps to be improved, uh, Voice Memos is also on the Mac, Apple News, and FaceTime, of course. You can take part in the group FaceTime calls. The Mac App Store has also had a bit of a remake as well, and now uh, it, has, it will ref- make it new tabs to help you drill down to find the apps that you're really interested in. The tabs will be Discover, Create, Work, Play, Develop, so really easy to, to get to the app that you're looking for. Uh, and they'll also have, from next year, the ability for for developers to create 
apps for iOS and Mac a lot easier as well. So just a few code changes, and you can turn your iOS app also into a Mac app. And finally, with the Mac OS continue, con- continuity camera, uh, this is where you can take a photo on your iPad or iPhone and have it appear instantly on your Mac. So a nice little way to tie those devices in. Moving along to the watch, this is Watch OS 5. And here, you the two main features I'm going to talk about is the walkie-talkie feature. This is my favorite, where you can turn your Apple Watch into a walkie-talkie thanks to this new push-to-talk functionality. So you can select your contacts, tell them that you want to include them in your walkie-talkie contacts. They have to accept that. For them, for you to, uh, for them to receive a walkie-talkie call, so it's basically push to talk rather than dialing someone or messaging someone. You just press a button, and your voice comes out of their Apple Watch. Uh, the other new feature is uh, auto workout detection, where it can de- it can detect whether you're off on a walk or a run. And by the time you get around to hitting start, it'll retroactively credit you for all the steps and all the calories you've burned. Similarly, at the other end of your run, and this is what I always do, where you get back from your walk or your run, and you forgot to hit end. You forget to hit to, to stop your workout. And you look at your watch at lunchtime, and you've been walking for six hours. And it'll recognize now the fact that you've stopped your activity and will uh, we'll hit end on your behalf in case you, in case you forget. Finally, tvOS, and this is the new update for the Apple TV 4K in particular, and the biggest feature here is the fact that you're going to have now Dolby Atmos sound through the Apple TV. So any movie that's available on iTunes, if it's in 4K, it'll have Dolby Vision, and it'll also have Dolby Atmos. So that's the, that three-dimensional sound where not only you're getting left and right, but you're also getting sounds coming from above you and around you rather than just uh, from either side. So great update there. The other update for tvOS is the uh, in, uh, inclusion of some aerial screensavers shot from the International Space Station, and these were absolutely breathtaking, amazing images taken from space. They are all the updates from the Mac, the Apple Worldwide Developers Conference. We've gone through iOS 12, Mac OS Mojave, Watch OS 5, TV OS 12. And if you want to catch up on them and recap them for yourself, check them out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Well, as I mentioned, while I was in San Jose, I made a, a, an appointment to have a tour inside the Tesla factory. Now, um, breaking news, I'm now a Tesla owner. I drive a Model S now, a Tesla Model S. I'll cover the reasons why I've gone into a Model S in a future podcast. But let's say for now, uh, I was allowed, because I'm now an owner, I was uh, given the opportunity to book a Tesla factory tour. Now, Fremont is only about a 25-minute drive away from San Jose. Uh, so I had, a, I had a morning where I could take off, head up the freeway to Fremont so I could do my factory tour. And I've got to say, this was an incredible experience. Now, unfortunately, I wasn't able to take any photos inside, but I can kind of—I have written a story on Tech Guide, which gives me gives you a, a look at my experience without giving too much away. It's it, there has been plenty of videos and, and pictures shot inside the factory, so it's not really—I'm not breaking no breaking news there in terms of what I'm talking about, but. 
just the sheer scale of the operation, the size of the building, how they do things in there was fascinating. And just just to give you an idea, the, the Tesla factory in Fremont used to be the NUMI factory, which stands for New United Motor Manufacturing Incorporated Factory. That was a joint venture between Toyota and General Motors. Now, this massive building, after the global financial crisis, was uh, up for sale at a steal. There was only Tesla picked up the facility in 2010, so a couple of years after the global financial crisis hit. They picked it up for $46 million. Years earlier, it was valued at $1.5 billion. So they've certainly picked up a bargain there. Another interesting fact, the factory is the second largest building in the world by by size in terms of their by square meterage. So the footprint of the building is actually 5.5 million square metres, or if you're into metrics, 510,000 square metres. We're talking hundreds of football fields that can fit under this one roof. Now, if you're wondering what is the biggest, the largest building in the world, that is actually the Alsmere Flower Auction in Holland. This is a massive warehouse where obviously flowers are sold, bought and sold, and that has a size of 5.6 million square feet or 518,000 square metres. Interesting bit of trivia right there. The tour started from the Tesla sales office. Uh, There were also naturally 12 superchargers outside and Teslas in every spot. Uh, And there was free coffee on offer inside, including Tesla had their very own brew, which I tasted actually wasn't too bad. This is offered for free, uh, among other food items for the more than 10,000 staff that actually work in the plant. Now, we were told, as I said, no photos allowed, no videos allowed. Uh, and we were seated in a small tram. Think of it as a little mini Universal Universal Studios backlot tour tram. And the guide was in a, in the car at the at the in the lead there with a, a headset microphone explaining what was going on around us. And we we saw the process from start to finish. So we saw the stamping facility where these massive seven story high presses uh, punch out the parts from sheets of aluminium. So that as they pop out. These are all graded and sorted and and looked at for quality and then passed along to the next section. And that's then assembled and then sent off to the paint department. And then all the other stuff comes in and the parts are assembled on the line. So we we saw the whole process where surprisingly high level of automation in some areas, but still a number of people on the line uh, putting in battery packs and dashboards and and other other items, headlights, taillights, and all lots of quality control areas where everything was uh, was checked and double checked and and to ensure it passed the quality control. Uh, The the. The process, fascinating. So we were seeing Model S and Model X, which are actually in the same line because a lot of uh, the reason for that is because that sort of added to the efficiency because the Model S and the Model X, apart from the different body shapes, have a lot of the same parts. So the same dashboard, the same uh, the same headlights, taillights, doors, things like that were interchangeable between the Model S and the Model X, which made them made it possible to run them in the same line. The line for the mid-size car, the Model 3, that was actually separate because it's a smaller car, so more, more different. Tour went for about an hour, 
Uh, and as I said, if I could have taken photos, I would have taken 4,000 photos in there. It was incredible how the process worked. And it, it just, just to see where it's all put together. The, the, we're starting with the parts, and then it goes to be painted, and then everything's put together, and the batteries assemble, the wheels go on, and then they drive it off and test it out for rattles and things like that, and then ship it off to the respective countries and dealerships and places like that. So... Really fascinating tour. Uh, the, 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 the building itself, as I said, you really got to see it, this thing to believe it. Uh, a lot of, lot of, uh, a lot of merchandise to buy in there. I bought a t-shirt for myself. There were, there wasn't, uh, I was expecting a bit more. I was really had my heart set on a Tesla jacket, but I've ordered that online. So that should be with us very soon. Um, the, 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 this tour comes a couple of days actually after Elon Musk was uh, giving a presentation to shareholders, and one one quote that 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 struck me and that I could I could vouch for inside the the workers were you could just tell they were right into what they were doing they were really dedicated and and quality was obviously the, a lot of signs everywhere to ensure that you know quality is not something that happens it's something that a result of what they do sort of basically uh, that, that and a few I'm sure people have heard in the past the issues with building quality and finish on a lot of the cars and I've been driving Teslas for nearly a year and all the all the cars that I've ever driven and my own car now I've got to say that quality is incredibly high and no issue on the finish I'm, I'm really happy with the car and the quality uh, is there and, and Elon Musk backed that up by saying that and I'm quoting here this might sound cheesy but at Tesla we build our cars with love uh, he even told a story about the the dedication of the factory workers and how some factory workers had been working for 60 days straight and were ordered to go home. Uh, and he, he, in fact, it, it, he sounded quite emotional when he retold this story. He said that some of those same employees were trying to were caught trying to sneak back into the factory to return to work. That's how much they loved working there. Uh, but anyway, I don't know whether that's just him dealing out the Kool-Aid, but I saw with my own eyes how efficient this, the factory is, how how hardworking the employees were, really dedicated to what they were doing. Whenever we drove past, they, they seemed really happy in what they were doing and happy to wave to us, and, and that to me indicated that they were enjoying themselves in there. And uh, just the, the quality of that production line and how they were doing it was really, really impressive. I really wish I had some images to show you, but take my word for it. The, the the experience was incredible, and the quality they were coming up with was also was equally as impressive. If you want to read more about my experience at the Tesla factory in Fremont, I've got some images of myself out the front, just in case you don't believe me. I've posted all of those at techguide.com.au. Okay, now to, to kind of fill in the story there, I did mention earlier that I've got a new Tesla Model S, but what I uh, what I did before that, though, was sell my previous car. Now, I previously drove a Mercedes-Benz E200, a 2013 model, and I had my eye on a Tesla for some time, and I thought, well, I've got to sell my car. And there was still a few months left in the lease, and I thought, well, I'm going to sell it privately and just pay it out. Just as what the money I get for my car, I'm going to pay out the lease and then start again with the Tesla, which is what I did. But to sell my car, I thought, well, how am I going to do this? Often people just settle for going to the dealer and copying it with a copying a low price on the trade-in because a lot of people just can't be bothered. It is a lot of work to sell a car. I've only sold one car, and it took a long time. And it was a hassle, and it was a lot of tire kickers and time wasters. It was a real hard thing to do. 
And for people who are time poor, and that look, that, that describes nearly everyone today, that's a really hard thing to do. And, and uh, I, I wanted to, uh, to sell my car, and I thought, well, I'd heard about a new service called Car Chase. Now, Car Chase was uh, a, fr- a friend, a guy who actually works on my, on the back end of Tech Guide, one of, one of my, uh, the guys who hosts my Tech Guide site, uh, and the guys who look after all my SEO and all those things. A friend of his said, oh, look, a friend of mine has just got a new startup. It's called Car Chase. And I said, well, that's perfect. I'm, I'm looking to sell my car. I'm going to give him a try. And I, got, I gave him a call and discovered that this is a service that sells your car on your behalf. So they come to you. They look at your car, conduct an inspection. We're talking like a NRMA quality 170-point inspection of your car. Take your car to a studio, wash it, detail it, photograph it, list the car, respond to any of the inquiries, conduct any inspections or test drives, accept on your behalf the money, transfer it to you, and also help you transfer the registration. That's they from start to finish. It's an end to end service. So it's just just like a real estate agent will come, will sell your house for you. Car Chase uses that similar agency model to sell your car for you, and and for that they ask five percent of the sale price. So you 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 work out what you finish up with at the end, and five percent of that figure is their payment. Now. What they do is that they have a, an algorithm and a price promise so that it looks at things like your make, the model, mileage, service history, condition of the car, and they look at previous sales and all these other all this other data to come up with a price. And that price becomes their price promise. They say, right, for in my case, they valued my car at $38,524. Uh, and they gave it a rating of 4.25 out of 5. So from that point, uh, they were able to list the, the, the car, not only on their own site, but all the popular car sales site. They looked at, they fielded all the calls, had, they had one request for an inspection, and that person ended up buying my car. It took two weeks from the day it was listed to the day I was told, yes, there's someone who wants to look at your car. The next day, they, they bought the car. They put a deposit on there, and it was done. Now, you think about this service for people, not only people who are time poor, but you think about people who may be intimidated by the whole thing, by they don't want to haggle. They don't want to, they're just, they just they don't want to be annoyed by tire kickers and time wasters. Some may even be a little fearful of, of letting a stranger drive their car. We've heard of plenty of times where someone rocks up to take your car for a test drive, and we've heard of stories where they just they steal the car. They, they leave with your car. So there's all these factors to consider. Car chase takes all the worry out of that. Now, the other part of the, the that I really liked was the fact that they really take it's such a transparent experience. So the price that they come up with is the price. So if the, if the buyer tries to haggle a bit, you can set a little bit of wiggle room if you want, but generally that price is there for a reason. It's more than what the dealer would give you, and it's a fair price to reflect the condition, the, the service history, and the vehicle. So it is, by using their algorithm, it comes up with that figure that, that's kind of irrefutable. It, it, it's indisputable and generally uh, accepted by the buyer and the seller. So it, it sort of reaches that point where there's no need to build in wiggle room. Like when I, they listed my car 
and I'd been offered by Mercedes-Benz six months earlier a payout figure of, a, it was pitiful, like $32,000. I thought, well, that's nowhere near what, what my car's worth. My car had only 37,000 kilometres on it. It was a four-and-a-half-year-old car. was in great condition. Uh, car Chase said, well, no, we can, we can get you $38,524. Now I looked on all the I looked on all the, the the websites and looked at similar cars to mine and thought, geez, there, there's some cars that are that have listed for forty five thousand and forty four thousand, same make and model as mine, double the kilometres of my car, and I got back to car chase and I said, guys, am I leaving some money on the table here? Like, am I ripping myself off with this price? They said, well, no, because from our from our data. We know that cars of your make and, and model and condition sell for that price. And these other sales that you're seeing online, they're asking prices, not selling prices. So in other words, these sellers, and naturally everyone does this, they're building in this wiggle room. So they know, so if, if some car's listed at 45 and I talk them down to 40, the buyer's going to think, wow, I've got a bargain there. I took 5000 off the price. Well... You didn't. You got. You bought the car for what it's worth. That that's the market value of that car. So usually that's sort of where it settles down to. In my case, uh, that was precisely what I got for it. And uh, in, in it's in the inspection of the car, they not only did looked under the hood and give every like tire condition, everything was there. They even obviously pointed out the blemishes in the car. I had a couple of little small dents and a tear in the driver's seat. Little little things, very minor. Uh, and the wiggle room I built into the deal was that the the, the seat would cost about $500 to repair. So I'd say, well, look, if, if the person was willing to repair the seat themselves, they can take 500 off it. If I if I repair it, it's going to be at the same price. So they decided they'd repair it themselves. It wasn't a big tear anyway. So it was end up selling for $38,004. Now, it gets even better here because in my case, my car was still under encumbrance. So it was still under release. So what Car Chase did on my behalf was pay out the car. So they sent the funds to Mercedes-Benz, paid out my lease, sent the change to me because in the meantime, I'd made a payment. So the payout figure had reduced it even more. So they sent, they, they fixed up Mercedes-Benz, cleared that, uh, and then sent me the change. And even transfer the rego. I gave him a letter of permission to say, "Yep, you can go ahead and do that on my behalf." So it was all done. I did not even meet the buyer of my car. The person who bought my car, I still don't know who they are, and and no, have no interest in knowing who they are. They they got a good deal. I got a good price, and everyone's happy. Car Chase can do this for you. Uh, the service. What better way to try out the service than to do, for the, get them to sell my car? And they did that. The whole experience was absolutely brilliant. Takes all the time and worry out of it for you. They do all of it. The, the quality of the photos in the, in the listing was brilliant. Uh, my cars never looked so good. It was in good condition, but they're just the way they presented it in the ad, you could no one else could have done it without that sort of professional approach to it. So if you take a photo of your car on the driveway, let me tell you, the photos of my car in the studio would be better than your cars taken with your phone in the driveway. This is a really good service, end-to-end service, that uh, is, is really, really really building up to be uh, quite a quality experience. Currently only available in the Sydney metro area. It's going to expand nationwide, but keep an eye on them. If you do have a car to sell, 
have a look at our story uh, about our experience. We've written it up there and given you all the information you need to know about this new, exciting new startup that are really going to go places. If you want to read more about that story, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Public Wi-Fi isn't always safe, though. We always use it, but there is some risk. Without the right protection, your personal information could become public. The recent vulnerabilities that we've seen are examples of how attackers can intercept data transmitted across a Wi-Fi network. Personal information that's transmitted over the internet or stored on your devices, things such as your passwords, credit card numbers, and more, these could all become vulnerable. All this personal information can be used towards committing identity theft, such as accessing your bank accounts without your knowledge. The team at Norton are dedicated to helping you keep your valuable data safe. Norton Wi-Fi Privacy encrypts the personal information you send and receive on public Wi-Fi to help keep it private wherever you want to log on. Help protect your information with Norton Wi-Fi Privacy now. To find out more, visit au.norton.com. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennett. Tech Guide. All righty, kicking off the reviews this week is a cool little speaker, the Sony ExtraBase SRS XB31. Now, this is a speaker with a difference. Yes, it sounds great. Yes, you can take it anywhere. It's waterproof. Yes, it's even got a USB port so you can charge your other devices. It is Bluetooth. But there is one major difference. There are lights built into this thing. So not only do you get this amazing sound, it also provides a light show. So there's eye candy as well as the great audio. Now, the XB31, which is what I reviewed on Tech Guy, that's the medium-sized speaker of the extra bass family. Uh, it's 229 bucks. There's the XB21, which is smaller and cheaper, 149 The XB41, which is 269 bigger, more light action, uh, and, and larger as well. The XB31 is about 23 centimetres long, so it's, it's small enough to take anywhere, but it's still a good size to pump out some pretty good sound. IP67 rating, so you can take it wherever you want. It's also rust-proof, so if you to drop it in the ocean, it's not going to be an issue. Now, under the hood are 48 millimeter speakers with mica-reinforced cellular cones so that it really controls the sound while retaining that quality. Uh, and... The lights that are built in, there's a line light that goes around the edge of the speaker, as well as two flashing strobes, and you can control the light mode. So whether you want it to follow your music, like a rave, or be a bit more chill, or however you want, there are several different ways you can control that within the Sony Music Center app. That's this really cool companion app that also can allow you to access things like an equalizer, so you can have the speaker balanced and sounding just exactly how you like it. You can control the amount of bass. Uh, the amount of treble, all this stuff you can control. Another really cool audio feature is live sound. So this provides this really cool three-dimensional sound experience. So the angled speakers working with the digital signal processor, it sort of fires your music out across a wider area. So it feels like you're at a festival. It gives you that wide festival feel. There's another feature called Party Booster, which is another little add-on. So you can create different sounds while you're listening to the music. You want to have a little scratch sound, a snare, a cowbell, kick drum. You tap different parts of the speaker so you can play DJ while you're streaming your favorite tunes from your device. 
Now, under the hood, you get a 24-hour battery on board. So the party's going to last a long time. And as I mentioned, there's a USB port, so you can actually charge your device as well. Really handy speaker, the SRS XB31. Really fun speaker, and you get a light show at the same time. Check it out. Our review, our full review is at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Next up, we're talking BlackBerry, and they've just launched a new Key 2. This is a new device to follow up to the Key 1, for those who are keeping up. The Key 2 was just revealed the other day in New York. Now, BlackBerry uh, was launched, this new device was launched by TCL Communication. That's now BlackBerry's brand licensing partner. And it'll be available globally in late July, late June, July, um, and is a really nice follow-up to the preview. I was really fa- a big fan of the key one. It's got a four-and-a-half-inch touchscreen, but it's also got that trademark physical keyboard as well as remarkable security. Now, the key two uh, has a, a full aluminium frame and has a nice, clean, uncluttered look. Looks really cool. It's got a soft-touch rear panel as well. It's got a diamond pattern, so really sort of looks premium, while at the same time that, that, that rear panel gives you a bit more grip and comfort, so you're not going to drop the device. Uh, the device is running Android 8.1 Oreo. Uh, has that 4.5 touchscreen, so it virtually goes edge to edge, covered in Corning Gorilla Glass as well, so it gives you increased scratch resistance. And the keyboard is, is still there, but it has been redesigned. Now, it's redesigned with, it's increased the key height for, by about 20%, so you get a bit more accurate typing. There's also a matte key finish and a fret design, so you get optimal optimized key spacing. So I had a little quick try on it, and it is uh, just provides a little bit more accuracy. The space bar has a built-in fingerprint reader too, really quick. And uh, the keyboard also has a new feature. It's called the speed key. This will allow shortcut access to uh, any number of functions on the device. And like the first device, like the key one, there are 52 shortcuts to your favorite app. So long press and short press of every letter in the alphabet. So short press for F might get your Facebook. Uh, long press of I might get your Instagram. It's up to you how you want to send it. Short press of V gets your voice bite. You know how it works. The keyboard, though, is also a trackpad as it was with the key one, but it's really responsive. So a really good way of navigating through your email, scrolling through your emails and web pages. Uh, really handy in that regard. Now, under the hood, this is no slouch. Qualcomm Snapdragon processor, 6 gig of RAM, 128 gig of internal memory, and there is a micro SD card slot. So if you want to expand the memory, you can do just that. Uh, on the camera side, you've got a dual rear 12 megapixel camera, so dual lenses, fast autofocus. It's also got a new portrait mode. Also incorporates Google Lens. So this is a, that the feature where you can search by sight. So you, you, whatever you're looking at through the camera, whether it's a book or a landmark or whatever it is, it'll tell you, Google will tell you what it's looking at. Uh, and uh, like every other BlackBerry device, it also has enhanced security and privacy features. So it uh, comes preloaded with DTEK, that's D-T-E-K, by BlackBerry. So you get a security meter. So you, at, at a glance, you know exactly the security of your device. The BlackBerry Key 2, stay tuned to Tech Guide. We're going to give it a full review when it's released in the coming weeks. 
the BlackBerry Key 2, no price uh, as yet. I think in the US they announced the price uh, as uh, they they announced it, a US price of about 600 bucks. But we don't know what that's going to be in Australia. It could be about eight nine 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 nine. We're not quite sure just yet, but we'll let you know. And as we said, as I said, we'll give you a full review as we get it. And if you want to receive more of it, you can take a look at our story at techguide.com.au. Now, Zeus have been hard at work, and uh, at Computex uh, a few days ago, they released the new ZenBook Pro, uh, a new laptop. Uh, but the thing here is that there is a, a point of difference here. The ZenBook Pro has a screen pad, and by that I mean a trackpad that doubles as a full-color touchscreen. So the ZenBook Pro UX580, that's the model number, it's got a 15.6-inch display, 4K UHD resolution, powered by uh, up to an 8th-generation Intel Core i9 processor, 16 gig of RAM, it's got a NVIDIA GeForce GTX 1050 Ti graphics processor too, up to one terabyte of SSD, solid-state drive storage, and it looks a treat. It looks uh, to two colors, deep dive black or rose gold detailing. It's got the uh, traditional spun metal finish. Looks really nice and premium, but add on to that the screen pad. 5.5 inches, full high-definition touchscreen, located where the trackpad is usually found. So down the bottom there, that can act as a second screen. So it's a new way to interact with apps. You can have dedicated screen pad apps. You can turn that secondary display into an app launcher, use a calculator, calendar, or a numeric keypad. You can even play YouTube videos on it, or it can become your music player. So really handy. Keep an eye on that. This is coming out in the in the in the coming months, and I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on this one. Azus make a great uh, make good laptops. We reviewed the the ZenBook Flip the, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, on the connectivity side, USB C with Thunderbolt support, USB 3.1, as well as a full size HDMI output. The ZenBook Pro UX 580. Get ready! It's going to land in Australia in a couple in a couple of months, and we will be reviewing that price uh, that product. But pricing has yet to be announced, but keep an eye out for it. If you want to see those pictures of that amazing screen pad, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finney. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. And they've just introduced Orbi, the world's first tri-band Wi-Fi system. Orbi gives you reliable, secure, and crazy fast Wi-Fi to every corner of your home. That's right, everywhere. No more dead zones upstairs. No drop connections through walls. Just better Wi-Fi across the board. Orbi reaches up to 370 square metres through Wi-Fi barriers like walls, stairs, and doors. With a dedicated internet connection, Orbi helps prevent buffering while streaming your favourite movies and shows. No matter how many devices are connected, you have ultra-fast Wi-Fi speeds. The Orbi tri-band Wi-Fi system works with your existing modem to maximise the speed you're already paying for. Orbi's sleek design and state-of-the-art technology steals the show. It gives your home a superior Wi-Fi network that's both easy to set up and elegant to display. With just a couple of clicks, your secure Wi-Fi network will be ready in no time. For more information, visit netgear.com.au. Orbi, better Wi-Fi everywhere. Tech now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. 
Okay, with the Tech Guide help desk, I thought we'd uh, talk about a little an, an issue, a survey that was done by finder.com.au. Uh, and this survey of uh, nearly a 1,000 people, many might, might think, is this reflective of a true NBN? There's been like 4 million activations. Is this a true indication? Well, the survey results, uh, we'll, I'll let you just tell you what they are and whether they reflect how we all feel. But the survey of nearly a 1,000 people uh, that are on the NBN resulted in 34% saying they would rather go back to their pre-NBN service if they had the option. Now, why would they do this? Numerous reasons, mainly being reliability and speed, with Victorians leading the way to switch back to non-NBN connections. 40% of those surveyed were from Victoria, 38% from New South Wales, and 30% from Queensland. Main reasons for switching, wanting to switch back to the older internet service was reliability and less dropouts. Previous service was faster. Previous service was better value and previous service was cheaper. So this is uh, maybe surprising to some, not surprising to others. There have been people who uh, of the response I've had to this story is right down the middle. Some people saying my NBN's working fine. Others are saying they, they don't like it. They're paying too much. It's not providing the service they expected. Well, here are some tips, though, to help you improve your connection. There are some people, readers and listeners that I've spoken to who have NBN complaints only to discover that they are not actually on the faster plans. So if they're thinking, well, why am I getting such slow speeds? Well, they've chosen the slower speed. Now, for a lot of people, they don't realize that with the NBN, you can choose the speed you want. With our current internet, you just got the internet. There's no speed choice. With the NBN, there is, as well as a choice of your internet service provider. So if your ISP is not cutting it, if they're only giving you slow speeds, well, guess what? Find another ISP that may get you a better result. So here's what you can do. Number one, do a speed test. Know where you're coming from. Know what sort of speed you're getting. Do a speed wirelessly. Do a speed through a connected product so you know exactly what sort of speed you're getting. If you're paying for a 50 megabits per second uh, plan but only getting 10, there's something wrong. So do that speed test. Find out if there's an issue. Contact your internet service provider. The other thing, too, I mentioned you can choose your speed. Choose the speed to suit your needs. My suggestion, if you live in a larger house with a lot of people, go for the faster plan. You will need the bandwidth. A lot of people will be streaming and doing things at the same time. So the speed, more speed, the better. If you're a typical moderate user, maybe maybe a couple living on your own, no kids in the house or, or whatever your situation, maybe the 25 megabit per, uh, per second plan will suit you. The other thing to do is check your hardware. The ISP-supplied modem might not be the best model available. They rarely are. So if you are, do a, do that speed test, and if your wireless speeds and Ethernet-connected speeds, uh, if you're getting faster connections through the cable, then you need to improve the modem, the router's reach. So you might need to invest in better hardware to get you a better result on your Wi-Fi. And lastly, shop around. As I said before, you can... Choose whatever ISP you want. So rather than you being stuck with your existing ISP or an ISP that's giving you slow results, I think you should check out other people's other ISP services. Try an ISP on a month-to-month basis. If you like it, stick to it. 
So that way you're not locked into a contract. There are some tips. If you are on the NBN, what you can do, you may, there may be things you can do to improve your performance. You want to read about that story, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. And that is the end of our show for this week. Again, I apologize for my voice. I hope it hasn't been too grating for you to hear me in this condition. Uh, but if you want to read about anything that we've spoken about on the show, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. If you want to get in touch, feel free to send us a voice bite, hashtag techguide. Send us a question or a little mini review. We'll play your voice on the show. Uh, we are going to unveil a new feature on Tech Guide where you'll be able to actually record or send me a question by recording directly on the Tech Guide website. We've uh, we've created a great new widget that can be embedded on a website, on social media. So you will be seeing record buttons on my Twitter, my Twitter, on my tweets, on my Facebook posts, and on the website. So you can talk directly to me using that widget. Hopefully, we get a lot more of you posting your voice bites and me playing them right here on the Tech Guide podcast. If you want to send us an email, we'll still look at those as well. Info at techguide.com.au. A special thanks to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and a shout-out also to Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. <laughs>